Why? Oh, you, you're going to lock the door, too, you're right downstairs, right? The children's right, ministry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you, babe. All right, who's ready for the Word? Man, I'm ready for the Word. Um, I got so much to cover, but I got 45 minutes, so. Sure. Flip over in your Bible to the book of Acts. This is a continuation of the sermon I started two weeks ago. And I got to get rid of this. <laughs> take this. Yeah, she's sassy. <laughs> I think my wife programmed it. So, praise the Lord. You know that's not true. Pam's a sweetie. So two weeks ago, I preached on the Holy Spirit. I had someone ask me, and it's a good question. He says, Brad, you seem like you're talking more about the Holy Spirit and uh, even the gifts of the Spirit. And that's true because I've had a lot of people asking me questions about it, right? You go into different churches and you see different manifestations of the Holy Spirit and people have questions about it. And I've had quite a few people ask me. So I really want to lay a foundation, a theology, if you want to be fancy, a theology of the Holy Spirit uh, th that we can understand the Holy Spirit. I wanted to read, there was a, he was like a Baptist or a Reformed preacher, and uh, his name's Francis Chan, and uh, he started realizing that there was a forgotten component of the Trinity in his church, and it was like a Baptist church or Reformed, I don't know exactly what it was, but he started studying the Bible, and he started going through it, and he realized, you read the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit is speaking and talking more than Jesus is. How many know, knows that? It says the Holy Spirit said, or the Holy Spirit did this. Or Holy, It's all throughout the book of Acts. And he said, we don't have a grid for that. We talk about Jesus and we get people saved. And, you know, and, and uh, he wrote this book called Forgotten God. And I'm going to read the introduction to it. A part of it anyway. And the Lord started opening his eyes up anyway to the Holy Spirit, and it just totally revolutionized and has changed his ministry. He had a church in a very rich part of California, a lot of wealthy parishioners, and his church was huge. He was very famous. Anybody ever heard of Francis Chan? Yeah, a lot of people, very uh, famous. But he resigned at his church, and he sold a lot of his stuff, and he gave it to the poor. He went to China for a while. He checked, he said, listen, he said, there's more than what I'm experiencing. I read my Bible. How many know there's more? Man, I, I tell you what, I, I got to tell some stories this week. If, when we believe God, it's amazing what God will do. And I'm talking Monday through Saturday. Well, I have more things happen, Scott, on Monday through Saturday. You know, Scott, you and I met. What did we do in McDonald's when you and I met for... Um, Breakfast. What happened? Yeah, led him to the Lord right there in McDonald's. God just I'm looking at Scott, looking at him. I asked Scott to forgive me. I had to talk to this young man, just walked over, started talking to him, led the guy to the Lord. Amen? Happens all the time. I just don't have time to tell you all my stories. But when we get full of the Holy Spirit, how many know that the Holy Spirit wants to talk about Jesus? Number one evidence that you're full of the Holy Spirit per Brad Kittle. You can't quit talking about Jesus. 
Number one evidence, because the Holy Spirit always wants to talk about Jesus. If you, if you don't have any problem not talking about Jesus, you need to go back to the well. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit will not be quiet. He loves Jesus. Do you know why the Holy Spirit loves you and why the Father loves you so much? Anybody know? Because, yeah, yeah, because Jesus is in you. You've been redeemed. You're His children. The Spirit of God's in you. You're, you're His children. He loves Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is going to talk about Jesus. So as we get full of the Holy Spirit, in fact, in Acts chapter 1, help me, Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, they said, you shall receive power. What did Jesus say would happen when they received power? They would be witnesses. So I can't even believe that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life if you're not talking about Jesus. How could you? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It says, you shall be, and if you read through, and we're going to go through this morning the whole book of Acts. How do you like that? You just read the whole thing. We're going to walk through as much of the book of Acts as we can, and I'm going to demonstrate to you through the book of Acts how much the Holy Spirit is active and involved talking about Jesus, and he's giving the early Christians boldness and courage. They're being persecuted. They're suffering. And he's with them. And in the midst of great suffering and great trial, they have joy. It's unnatural. In our culture, we get a little persecuted, and most of us, some of us anyway, we start complaining and woe is me, and we go on Facebook and think we're really persecuted. Man, in their culture, they were killing them, feeding them to the lions, throwing them in jail, taking away their goods, right? And they were filled with joy. That's supernatural. That's supernatural. I get upset when the Buckeyes don't make a first down. You don't want to hear me. I said, God, forgive me. You don't even want to hear me watching them. You might think the calling, calling the Holy Spirit the forgotten God is a bit extreme. Why do we call the Holy Spirit God? Don't we believe in the Trinity? I could just preach, you know, that I'm really being good. I feel like just preaching. I really do. Maybe you agree that the church has focused too much attention elsewhere, but it feels, but uh, feel it as an exaggeration to say that we've forgotten about the Holy Spirit, but I don't think so. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. While no evangelical would deny His existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of church growers across America who cannot confidently say that they have experienced His presence or action in their lives over the past year. Now, isn't that amazing? And I'll bet there's probably somebody in this room who said, well, no, I don't know if I've experienced the Holy Spirit. And now in this church, you know, if you, you're going to experience the Holy Spirit if you're open at all sooner or later. But you know what I mean. And many of them do not even believe that they can. The benchmark of success in church service has become more attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The entertainment model of the church was largely adopted in the 1980s and 90s, and while it has alleviated some of the boredom for a couple hours of the week, and it's filled our churches, it has filled our churches with self-focused consumers 
rather than self-sacrificing servants attuned to the Holy Spirit's Spirit. Perhaps we're too familiar and comfortable with the current state of the church to feel the weight of the problem. But what if you grew up on a desert island and had nothing but the Bible to read? Imagine being rescued after 20 years and then attending a typical evangelical church. Chances are that you'd be shocked for a whole lot of reasons. Having read the scriptures outside the context of the contemporary church culture, you might be convinced that the Holy Spirit is as essential to the believer's existence as air is to staying alive. You would know that the Spirit led the first Christians to do unspeakable things, to live lives that didn't make sense to the culture around them, and ultimately to spread the story of God's grace around the world. There's a big gap between what we read in the Scriptures about the Holy Spirit and how much believers and church, uh, how churches operate today. In modern churches, you would be stunned by the apparent absence of the Spirit in any manifest way. And this, I believe, is the crux of the problem. If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of the main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this happened, and I would argue that it is a prolific disease in the body of Christ, is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel with our lives and in the church. We understand something very important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some of us have run away from church and God's Word completely. I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without Him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or action that come from a human creation, and the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when we believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in our lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Would someone say amen? amen. Now, this is not a bummer, down, downer lecture. It's not a put down. I think that our church is endeavoring to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow the Spirit and glorify God. We believe in glorifying and honoring the Father. We believe in glorifying and honoring Jesus. But we also want to be sensitive and led by the Spirit. That is our power. Many people think, they say, Brad, the reason you witnessed, you're just different. Well, that's true. I am, I am somewhat different. Or the reason you can do that, you just have an outgoing personality. I never told anybody about Jesus until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I, when I backslid Charlie and I was talking to people and I was outgoing, I don't ever remember talking to anybody about Jesus. When I'm not filled with the Lord and seeking God, that's the last thing I want to talk to anybody about Jesus. It is not human personality. It is not natural gifts. I know some people are more gifted at 
evangelism and reaching out than others. That is true, but any person that has the Holy Spirit in them, even if you don't know how to do it, or maybe you hesitate a little bit, or you're not, you're going to want to uh, pray for people. You're going to want to help people. You're going to want to bring glory to Jesus somehow in your life. Would someone say amen? It's true. I don't know about you. I think a lot of you really do share Jesus a lot too, but I don't know about you. There's something that gets in me that I just have to talk about Jesus. If you see me at a football game or you see me at a cross-country meet, you see me somewhere, most of the time when I'm walking around, even though I'm enjoying the game or uh, I'm enjoying myself, I'm looking around. If I'm out at the Save-A-Lot or if I'm at Walmart, because I've been reading the Word and I've been praying and I've been getting close to Jesus, there's something in me looking around saying, who can I pray with, Lord? Who can I help? That is not because Brad's a good guy. That's not because Brad has some uh, unique experience. I heard someone say, well, Brad, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're talking too much about yourself when I start sharing my testimonies. I am telling you, it is the Holy Spirit of God, and when we take time to get before God, He will revolutionize your life. He is an annihilator of selfishness. He is an annihilator of living this world for my four and no more. He will annihilate that existence in your life. When we give God our heart and we get before the Lord and we allow God to fill us with the Spirit, something fundamentally is going to change in our life. When they were persecuting Christians in Russia and they were giving their lives and they were carted away to concentration camps, do you know what they did when they threw them in concentration camps? Anybody know? Take a guess. Come on, help me, guys. They were preaching. They started preaching to their captors. They started preaching to people that were with them in the concentration camps. They were preaching to the guards. They were preaching to the people that were beating them. What, would, what did Paul and Silas do when they were in jail? They threw them in a Philippian jail, and at midnight, they were, they were in those stocks. What were they doing? They were praising God. They had an earthquake, and they got set free. Paul and Silas could have walked out of that jail. Instead, they turned around and told their captors, hey, we didn't go anywhere. Don't get excited. We're still here. And that guy goes, what must I do to get saved? Literally, how can I be saved? Because the mighty Holy Spirit was in them. We have to change our focus. And I understand that we're all built a little different, and things will look different but there should be an excitement to following Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. If, if I heard a guy say, and it's so true, he said, if you're sharing Jesus and you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Isn't that something? Because it's fun when you do it right. How do you do it right? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I've done it enough on my own effort. It's horrible. It's disgusting. It's Brad. It's no fun. It's, it's hard, but I've done it with the Holy Spirit, and it is fun. The Lord amazes me. I'm going to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Would you let me? I was in Save-A-Lot, and uh, I, me and Pam had just had a Dunkin'. I had that white powder. Okay, this is going to really get good now. You ready? I had a white powdered cream-filled donut. 
It's Dunkin' Donut. They have the best donuts in town. Had that cream filling. Too much cream. Yeah, almost you have to dip it and throw the cream out of it because there's too much and the white powder. Well, that white powder had fallen all over my shirt. And uh, we had gone from Dunkin' Donuts and Pammy and I were at Save-A-Lot. And I'm standing outside of Save-A-Lot and I'm wiping the powder off my shirt. And a guy and a woman, he had a bandana thing on. He came in the door, a blue shirt. And I said, hey, how you doing? They go, good. And the guy looks at me, hey. I said, how are you? And something leaped in me. I got to tell that guy about Jesus. That's the one, Lord. And so I followed them in there. And then, Charlie, you ever hear me talk about the Holy Ghost shuffle? I started saying, oh, I missed my moment. I, I can't, oh, they're, they've gone. They're too. And I started doing that Holy Ghost shuffle. Oh, I can't. And so I didn't share Jesus with them. Someone said, oh, boo, Brad. So, uh, and I went out, dusted my shirt. I went in my car, I said, Pam, I know the Lord wanted me to share Jesus with that couple. And I got so convinced of that, that we were leaving, and I saw them coming out of the parking lot. I circled back around in the parking lot, and I pulled up, and just as I pulled in the parking lot, they were driving away. And Pam thought, oh, Lord, Brad is going to follow them home. <laughs> I thought about it. I really did. I'm like, because I knew that I knew and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I do this a lot. I said, Lord, I missed a chance. And I, I, I don't always take advantage of my opportunities. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. But I said, rats, rats. I know I missed an opportunity. So fast forward two days later, Pam and I are out doing our, our interaction, our activation for CityQuake. And we're down there in our favorite spot down there. And we're out in front of Save-A-Lot. And we're talking to this guy you know, about Jesus. And we prayed with him. His name was Richard. And we had a good time with him. And I said, let's just go inside the store here before we start out. We went inside the store. We go down, produce, and we're going to look at the meat section. And we look over. Guess who's standing in the meat section? Couple, couple A for exhibit. There they are. His name's Brandon, my son's name. And her name was Charlene or something like Charlene. I, I, my eyes went boom. It was like that elusive girl that you wanted to ask out. And there she was. You know, I'm like, oh, they're there. I'm looking at Pam, they're there. We went over and we started talking to them. They probably thought I was John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness. Because I'm like, you're here. And they're like, I said, I remember you guys. Do you remember me? And they said, yeah, we thought you were snorting coke. <laughs> Pam, true story. I go, oh, no, no, I'm a pastor. That was powdered donuts. <laughs> Whatever you say. Can you believe, they really thought it was Coke. I mean, can you imagine coming with Coke on you? Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? You know? That's what they thought. See, now, I, that's the east side. Someone said, Brad, you got to know where you are. So that was funny. And I'm like, no, no, I wasn't snorting Coke. I said, I was snorting powdered donuts. There's a difference. And so we started talking, and it just became apparent that the young lady, he was talking and this and he was, he was a good guy, great guy, but you could tell she was locked in 100% to what we, we shared the gospel with her and she said, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to get saved. And she, we prayed right there and save a lot Amen. by the meat department. She gave her life to Jesus. She prayed and I gave her a card and we invited her to church and we actually recommended, we always recommend other churches that are closer but we always invite them to our church too. I just wanted to go to church somewhere, right? To get hooked in to Jesus. And so we did that. And then her sister, she had a sister named Nancy. And Nancy was addicted to fentanyl. 
and she was going for treatment. And the Champions Network, who did they help? The guy last week? They helped drug addicts. So I was able to tell her about the Champions Network. Isn't that a great story? That was the Holy Ghost. Trust me. That's the Holy Spirit. He just gets in you. Someone say, he gets in you. Remember that, I'm going to get to this. I I will get to this. Remember that commercial where they drank that Gatorade? Anybody remember that? I've used this illustration before. And uh, say you have a grape Gatorade. And they drink that Gatorade, maybe it was a couple years back, and a glunk, glunk, glunk. And all of a sudden, that person turned grape on the inside. Yeah. Remember that? And what'd they say? Huh? It's in ya. It's in ya, right? That's the greatest Holy Ghost sermon of all time. It's in ya. That's what happens when you let the Holy Spirit get in ya. When he gets in ya, he's going to come out. Amen. Well, that's just one story. We even had others from that night because of the mighty Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. Amen. So go to the Bible, turn to the book of Acts. We talked about Acts chapter 1. Now I'm going to cover a lot of scriptures. Did you bring a pen and paper? Who needs a pen? Scott, do you need a pen? Larry, can oh, Pam will give him a pen. There's a lot of scriptures. I want you to study the Word of God on the topic of the Holy Spirit. You need to study because I've watched videos and there there are even preachers out there. They don't know the Holy Spirit They don't understand it. Their theology doesn't include it. They'll put videos on the internet and they'll bash people that move in the spirit. And if you watch those, they'll make you think something's wrong when you believe in the power of the spirit. No, there's something wrong when you don't believe in the power of the spirit. There's something wrong. uh, The Lord told me one time that I was listening to all these people that were criticizing preachers and they were criticizing Holy Spirit preachers, and they were criticizing that preacher, and the Lord said, Brad, stop watching it. They are barking dogs. And as he said it, I remember driving by, I was uh, on Route 60, uh, coming uh, coming into Zanesville there, and I looked up, and I saw a sign, and the sign said, beware of dogs. (laughs) True story. I said, I will, Lord, I'll beware of dogs. Anybody can criticize and tear down. I want to know how many people are you sharing Jesus with. I want to know if you're going out with the same passion, you're criticizing people that are moving in the Spirit and seeing people healed and seeing people deliver people. I want to know if you have that same passion for the lost. This passion that you use to criticize Christians, do you have that same passion for hungry people? Do you have that same passion for the lost? Do you have that same passion to see people get saved? Or do you just save all your energy and passion to criticize Christians? Someone say amen. It's true. Use that passion to get somebody saved. Amen? Now, I'm not saying we need good theology. I imagine I spend more time in my Bible than most people. I love the Word of God. I'm in it day and night. I can't get enough of it. That's something else that the Holy Spirit will do. Before the Holy Spirit filled me and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, my Bible had dust on it. I didn't read it. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and that book came alive. I said, you mean... You mean we can pray for sick people and they can get healed? You mean I can witness for Jesus now? You mean I can have supernatural provision? You mean this book wasn't just for the apostles and the early church? I can see God move in my life. I can make a difference in somebody's life. I can be forgiven of those gross sins that I committed. 
Are you kidding me? This is really real? This is something more than a religion? It's something more than going to church on Sunday? Jesus will walk with me and he'll talk with me along life's merry way. Are you kidding me? This is the best deal going. Why didn't somebody tell me about it? Amen. And I, and I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit will talk about Jesus all the time. Someone say, praise the Lord. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit. I'm just going to show you right in here. Holy men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit. Who? The Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They wrote the Bible. So who understands the Bible? The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So when you read it, you got to have some Holy Ghost. If I can get a little Pentecostal, you got to have some Holy Ghost in you if you want to understand the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to them. They think they're foolish because it's their natural mind. They don't get it. They don't get why someone would lay hands on someone and get healed. They don't understand the word of knowledge. They don't understand the power of the Spirit. They don't understand. Well, don't get too excited. That's the worst thing you can tell a new Christian. Now, you may need to guide them a little bit. They may be a little crazy like I was. Yeah, maybe am. But they, they might, you know, be a little, so you might need to guide them. But don't you dare tell someone not to get too excited. You will go at the Buckeye football game, and you will knock over your pop or your beer, God forbid, You'll knock over your beer at a Buckeye football game and you'll scream and yell and shout, make a fool of yourself, or be like some of us at uh, cross country and scream and yell, make a fool of yourself, yelling at everybody. And then when someone gets excited about Jesus, well, you got to tone it down a little bit. Don't get too excited. And you'll babble like, a, like you're praying in tongues at a football game. Amen? That's the truth, isn't it? It's the truth. Come on, let's just be real about it. You get, you, some of you, I just got a word of knowledge, and you know who, some of you get so mad watching football, you have so much passion for it, you get so mad watching it. I do a little bit myself, <laughs> truthfully, because you have passion, right? And you don't have an ounce of passion for Jesus. Isn't that something? I don't mean to be hard. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I don't have a care in the world. <laughs> it was. I, I, thought, I thought maybe one person, right? Okay, so we, we discussed Acts chapter 1, but I want to read this again, and we're going to fly here. He said, God, uh, John, truly baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That means immersed, overflowing, not many days from now. And what's going to happen when you receive the Holy Spirit? He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall hold mighty, mighty seminars, weeks on end, studying the Word, criticizing other Christians, dissecting the Old Testament, learning about me, and one day, after you've gone to Bible college, and you've got a PhD in theology, and you know all about uh, apologetics and creation and evolution, and you're completely ready, you've been to five soul-winning seminars, then you'll be my witnesses. My own, right? No, he says, then you shall be my witnesses. Right then. Why? Because the Holy Spirit 
is going to get in you. Flip over to chapter 2. You guys enjoying this? I hope you are. I'm having the time of my life up here. I need to tell another Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts story. That was the highlight of the message, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen. Woo. Okay, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. So important to be in unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a sound from heaven, as if a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared divided tongues as fire and sat upon each of them. So this tongues like fire sat upon. Who would love to see a picture of that? What did that look like? There was wind blowing in there. Oh, I got a story I can't tell you. There was wind blowing in there. Oh, it's an amazing story. There was wind blowing in there, sitting on them. And all of a sudden, it says, get this, they were filled. Someone say filled. filled. They were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. And I want to say something. When you get filled with the Spirit, you are going to speak. Amen? Because you get filled. The Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit's going to speak. And I want to go into the, we, people have questions, well, do I have to pray in tongues? I'm, I'm going to get into that a little bit today, maybe even more next week. But I, I want to absolutely, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to say something. Someone say amen. And you are going to be a witness. Something's going to come upon you. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, these guys were already saved. They had already followed Jesus. They already knew Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was already their Lord. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, he came upon them for a reason. Someone say amen. It wasn't so he could save them. He came upon them to give them power to do something that they could not do with their own strength. He came on them supernaturally to endow them and to empower them. They had a mission they could never do on their own. And what you will notice when they talk about the Holy Spirit and the baptism, he's coming upon them. I believe you can get saved and indwelt with the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit living inside you, bearing the fruits, and you can be powerless. Powerless. Because you, we need to continuously be being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the powerhouse, Mikey. He's the power of God. Let's go on. And, and so everybody heard him. Now, in this particular case, it said they got up and said um, it will, they thought they were drunk. How do you like that? You're all drunk. Now, we're not drunk like you think we are. We got the power of the Spirit because I heard him praying in language. And this particular time, one guy was speaking, you know, P Persian. Another guy was speaking another language. And they heard him in their own languages. And he said, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Well, right there, you know, women can speak said women are going to prophesy. prophesy. Prophecy is inspired preaching. It's not, it's not, most of the time, it does not mean foretelling. Did you know that? It's foretelling. It's inspired preaching. Prophecy. Praise the Lord. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now listen, flip over. We got to go quick here. In verse uh, 38, then Peter said to all of them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and as many as are far off. And it says, all of those that believed the word were baptized and 3,000 souls were added to the church. There's no mention of anything coming upon them, nothing like that. They got baptized in Jesus' name. He said they'd get the gift of the promise of the Holy Spirit, but there's no mention of anything endowment of power coming upon them. You know that many of them did get endued with power because they got busy, but there's no mention of it, is there? But they all got saved, they all got baptized, and surely the Holy Spirit was indwelling them all, but you don't hear anything. I imagine if something supernatural would have happened beyond that, they would have recorded it. All right, fast forward. Chapter, is it four, Lord? Chapter four. Let's go to verse... See, now I got my teacher mode on. Verse 49, I'd rather preach. They got persecuted. They're being threatened. It's 29. Yes, thank you. Chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you still have the name of Jesus or did God take that away from the church? How'd the miracles happen? In whose name? Does the church still have the name of Jesus or did God take it away from us? We still have the name of Jesus. He didn't take that name away. You'll see it. It, it, It's all through there. They may be done because Paul is such a strong Christian. Peter is such a great Christian. No, through the name of Jesus. And when they prayed, get this, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled. Get this. I thought they were already filled. Who thought they were already filled? Just me and Gene and... Joyce and, and Bo. And they were again. Thank you. They were already filled. Why did they need to be filled again? Someone said it leaks. They got threatened. They were being persecuted. The, the devil's trying to back them down. They're, they're probably feeling some fear. They've got questions. They're getting called before the, 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 you know, the religious police in this. Then they were filled again, or they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm telling you. It's not a little dabble, do you? It's a constant walking with the Lord. And what was the evidence that they were filled with the Holy Spirit here? Am I? Are you guys with me? Am I on my own planet here? Because I could be. Are you guys with me? Huh? They were filled with boldness. They had boldness, not coldness boldness. And what did they do when God gave them boldness? They preached the Word of God. Another sign of being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, I am convinced now, and I can't get into all this theologically, just because you prayed in tongues 10 years ago, uh, that does not mean you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Does not. 
if you have no evidence in your life of any power, because the Holy Spirit is the power of God. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit means you have to have some power. You have to, if you're filled. Because whatever you're filled with, that's what you manifest. When a young man, girls, if there's any young girls here, is filled with lust, you will know it. They won't be able to get their hands off of you, and you'll know what they're filled with. They won't be able to get their eyes off of you, and they won't be able to quit talking about things because they're filled with lust. If somebody is filled with anger, don't you know it? They're gonna, their face is going to get red. Ex-sheriff here, their face is going to get red. They're going to swing some punch. They're filled with anger. They're going to punch you. They're going to yell at you. Their face is going to turn red. Anybody ever seen anybody filled with alcohol? Oh, what a fool I've been. You get filled with alcohol, it's, that spirit from alcohol is going to be in you, and you're going to manifest something. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to start manifesting boldness. You're going to manifest Jesus. You're going to speak the word. Something fundamentally different about you is going to happen because it's not your might. It's not by might, and it's not by power, but by the Spirit. That's why we don't exalt in ourselves. It is truly when you're at your weakest, when you humble yourself and you say, Lord, I cannot do this without you. When you humble yourself, that's when the Holy Spirit fills you. And we're all candidates for it every day of our life. Oh, Lord, I can't face work. I had a time in my life I couldn't face work. I don't have time to get into it. I'd pray every morning. Oh, God, help me. Those people hate me there. <laughs> help me. I get on the floor and he'd, he'd get me through another day. Lord, thank you for getting me through another day. I needed the power of God to suffer. And it said that their hearts were all together. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. How do I, how do I not get through with these messages? Okay, so there was, a, I can't go through everything, but in chapter 6, you're going to meet, uh, chapter 6 through 8, you're going to meet two more guys, and, which is Stephen and Philip, and there was a qualification. If these guys were going to be deacons and leaders of the church, they had to have certain qualifications. Did they have to have a PhD from Vanderbilt University? Did they? Or Vanguard University or Cincinnati Bible College? Did they say they have a four-year degree from Cincinnati Bible College and a master's of theology from Harvard? Did they say that? Did they have to go to a Pharisee U or Sadducee State? No, they didn't. They said these men, if they're going to be deacons, they need to be full of the Holy Spirit. So that tells you right there that some people are full of the Holy Spirit and some people aren't full of the Holy Spirit. It says, look among you and find out who among you is full of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty obvious. Oh, Stephen, he's doing miracles. He's preaching on the street. Pretty obvious that uh, Stephen has the Holy Spirit. Stephen, will you serve tables? Yeah, I'll serve tables. Anybody full of the Holy Spirit? They'll serve. Part of the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, you're going to serve. So they picked these guys out, and the qualification they had was they had to be filled with the Spirit. Again, my point there is you can be more or less filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells the church, be filled with the Spirit. 
It's a commandment. He's saying, get filled with the Spirit. Stay filled with the Spirit. The Greek tense there is actually be being filled with the Spirit. I'm going to make a lot of hay here, and I'm going to go quick. Should I just slow down and finish this part next week? I'm going to do that. Because if I go too fast, I, got, I want to get to Corinthians and teach about the gifts of the Spirit. I want to lay hands on you guys. And I want God to gift you with prophecy. Can I tell you a story? You'll like these stories. This happened this week I was praying because I'm going to lay hands. I wanted to do it next week. I might have to do it in two weeks. I'll finish this message. The Holy Spirit is so much in the book of Acts. I've got like, I don't know how many pages of notes I took. I'd like to type them up. But I just got one page after another of scriptures in the book of Acts about the Holy Spirit. Just full of the Holy Spirit. I was praying this week. And I pray to the Lord. I like to get quiet before God. I, I talk to the Lord. I like to get quiet before the Lord and just wait on the Lord. And when I was waiting on the Lord, did it say in Acts chapter 2 that they'll see visions? Did it say that? About 2.17, did it say that? I was waiting on the Lord and I saw an aorta. What's an aorta? But, you know, it, but when I saw it, do you know what word came to me? Aorta. I saw an aorta. I go, Lord, what's that aorta? That's the exact word. I didn't say heart. I said aorta because it it was just a heart. There wasn't a person attached to it. It had valves here and here. I don't know if it's really like that, but in my little vision, it had valves here and here. It was an aorta. And I said, what's that aorta? And I got up and I was thinking about it and I heard the word valve. This, This is amazing. And I heard the word valve, aorta, valve. Okay. And so we had Thursday night, we had a life group And I was on the way to life group, and the Holy Spirit told me, go into Family Dollar. You're going to witness the two people in Family Dollar. Pam, you're with me. Am I lying? Am I telling the truth? So I go into Family Dollar, and I go up. I'm almost done, guys. We'll pick up next week after this. I go into Family Dollar, and I go talk to a guy, and it was the most awkward, clumsy, gross witness you've ever seen in your life. He was really nice. He felt sorry for me. He's like, I really don't have time to talk right now. You know, I don't want to offend you. And I'm like, well, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I fumbled around and, and uh, I, he was nice. He said, okay, see you later. I go, yeah, see you later. And I go, but Lord, that was awkward. So this big giant of a guy, twice as big as me, twice as wide as me, looked like Paul Bunyan, came out of Family Dollar. You need to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I said, hey, how you doing? He looked at me. He's like, get lost. Like just, literally just walked right by me. And I went, and it didn't bother me. I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? And I'm like, what am I doing, Lord? I was like, like, Lord, did I miss it? And I turned around, and there was a parent I know from his, uh, one of his kids runs cross country, and he's standing right behind me. And I said, hey, (laughs) I got a friendly face. I've been rejected twice. I got a friendly face. I said, hey, how you doing? Good. We started talking. Bum, bum, bum. I reminded him of a youth group, and I was talking to him. I said, you don't by any chance have a heart problem, do you? He said, yeah, I, I had open heart surgery 10 years ago. I go, really? He goes, yeah. I go, did it involve a valve? He goes, yeah. I had aorta, yada, yada, yada valve surgery. And I don't know what the yada, yada, yada was. He said, some of you probably know him. He said, I had aorta bypass, la, da, 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 valve surgery. I go, did they put a valve in you? He goes, yeah. 
and I got to go back. They're going to check me, I think, next week because I'm due for my regular pickup. I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, but on my board at home, I have Family Dollar, two people, aorta, valve. And I showed him the picture. I sent him the picture later of it. I said, I'm supposed to pray for your heart. Laid my hands on his heart, prayed that whatever happens to his heart, God heals him, protects him, used all the faith that I had. God had to take over from there, and I led him in a, a sinner's prayer. He invited Jesus into his life. Isn't that spectacular? And I had it on my board to prove it. Amen? Aorta valve. That was one of the gifts of the Spirit that I want to lay hands on you that you would be empowered. I went in and I talked to the cashier behind the counter and I asked her, I said, hey, how you doing? I think her name was Tina, but I'm not sure. Or maybe Lisa. I said, she goes, I'm doing good. You have any health problems? What do you think she told me? She goes, I got a heart. Now, she didn't have a valve problem. She goes, yeah, I got a heart problem. I said, can I pray for you? She said, yes. Father, boom, and I prayed for her. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit gave me those words. And I want to tell you, and I want to honor and give glory to God, because when I was trying to work it out and do it, it was the most awkward, clumsy witness you ever saw. But the Lord covered me, and He helped me. Someone say amen. amen. So what I want to do is finish teaching on the, all these scriptures in the book of Acts on the Holy Spirit. And then I want to lay hands on you, and I want to believe God. Paul said, I want to lay hands on you to impart a spiritual gift to you. There are nine spiritual gifts listed in the book of Acts. Tongues was only one of them. There were eight others. And I'm not the only one in this church that operates in them, nor is God satisfied that I would be the only one in this church that operates in them. It has nothing to do with your holiness or your ability. If you are willing and open at any time, God will fill you with the Holy Spirit, and He will empower you to do what He's called you to do, and He will amaze you. It is not your strength that God needs, it's your weakness that He needs. It's not your ability that God needs, it's your inability and your availability, if you're available. Would someone say amen? Isn't this exciting? Is it exciting? Amen. The Lord wants to activate all of us as witnesses in whatever realm that we live in our life. He wants to become real to us. In the book of Acts, you see many times, which we'll get into next week, where the Holy Spirit speaks to people and He guides them. He gives them wisdom and He shows them what to do for people that are filled with the Spirit. We'll pick up there next week. Somebody smile at me. I'll feel better. I can't, I can't leave with you guys all frowning at me. There we go.